It's a blending. To me, when I started doing my training in shamanism and you know, the different emotional clearing and shamanic modalities, it was primarily a lot about moving the darkness out. And we just worked on one end of the equation of just moving the darkness out, but didn't put any light in. Mm. And like, where's the love? You know, where's the light? Wh what am I going to put in its place? And the shaman is let's go in and take a look at that with courage and honesty. And the angel is, and let's bring light, love, and compassion as we do that. And let's meet that tenderness with an angelic presence. So when you're facing a fear or a pain, you can feel supported with strength and courage so you, you, you're not afraid, but also with loving kindness so that you're held and can open the heart. Because we're not going to rip open the heart. We're going to melt what's in the way of the heart opening. That's Anahata Ananda, and this is episode 282 of Wellness Force Radio, where we discover the physical and emotional intelligence to live life well. What's going on, everyone? I trust podcast land is treating you well today. You're having a beautiful day wherever you are right now. This is Josh Trent about to guide you through a conversation about shamangelic healing with my friend, certified high-performance coach, shamanic healer, and soul guide who's going to rock your world. Her name is Anahata Ananda. I don't say this lightly that it's going to rock your world because this show was recorded in the spiritual vortex live in Sedona, Arizona. Have you been to Sedona? This place, it's this energetic vortex filled with iron oxide infused caves and sunsets that take your breath away. We sat down for the show in her living room after a powerful breathwork ceremony. Now, you know, we've been talking about plant medicine and breathwork on Wellness Force for quite some time. In the world of breathwork practitioners, this woman sits at the pinnacle. She's been practicing shamanic healing and breathwork for over two decades. And today she's talking about the Native American spirit wheel, this medicine wheel that is used to be a guidepost that can direct us through emotional inventory on our wellness journey. This is one of my favorite in-person episodes ever on the show. It was such a fun time in Arizona. I was in such an open state. You know what I mean, right? Have you ever had such an amazing workout or a heart expansion connection with another person that you viscerally feel open? in your nervous system. You're gonna feel that from me and my curiosity as I ask Anahata the questions we're all curious about. We're gonna explore her story, the meaning of her name change. We're gonna understand what exactly a shaman is, especially in this world right now where there's so many false prophets. God, who do we actually trust? Well, she's gonna give us the guideposts about how you can work with somebody that'll actually help you develop physical and emotional intelligence. We'll drop into the nuances between shamanic practices throughout the world and also explore this hustle mindset, how the constant hustle can be so damaging to our nervous system and our wellness. We also talk about planting seeds, you know, the creative seeds, the seeds of love in our relationships and our careers and abundance, which let's face it, like this is why we're here on the planet, right? We're all working towards this best life. And this metaphor of the Native American spirit wheel is so powerful. I know you're gonna enjoy it. And literally as I talk to you, I'm enjoying my cup of Organifi Gold. It's so warm. I love holding a mug in my hands. I'm recording this later in the evening. This is actually part of my nighttime ritual. It's part of our Wellness Warrior Guide, the M21 Guide. If you haven't downloaded our free guide yet, this is your chance. It's six science-backed practices. They're research-proven to increase your vibration throughout the day. They're really simple, but they're really effective. I know they're going to be huge for you. And this Organifi is actually a big part of my nighttime ritual. So head over to wellnessforce.com forward slash M21. Pick up that guide for free. It's my gift to you. I want you to enjoy it. Let me know how it went for you. There's a seven day guided breathwork practice in there. I know you're going to get value from. Now, 
my God, it's so good. This is why I drink the gold at night. It's got the turmeric, reishi, lemon balm. We're all so stressed as a society. I know that if you're like me at night, this is when I get the, the creepies, the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> I feel like I'm out of my skin. If I've had a big day, there's lots of thoughts and monkey mind in my brain. Well, this lemon balm, one of the ingredients in the gold, it's scientifically proven to potentially support more restful sleep. And it helps to downcycle the nervous system. This is why I drink it in the evenings. I know you're going to enjoy this as well. Just head to Organifi.com forward slash wellness force. When you go to that link, you can pick up the lemon balm creamy goodness. Actually, I make a golden milk. Have you ever made a golden milk? It is so good. I make it with almond milk. You can get this for 20% off the biggest discount online anywhere. Organifi.com forward slash wellness force. You can share that link with your friends, as many people as you want that wants to make their own golden milk. You know, on Oprah where she's like, everybody gets a laptop. Everyone in the crowd gets a laptop. Well, this is not a laptop, but this is definitely going to help you sleep better. Guaranteed. That's Organifi.com forward slash wellness force for 20% off with the Organifi gold and everything else. Now let's get ready. Let's take a deep breath together. Breathing is always there. It is always this beacon for us. Anahata has become my soul sister. She's someone that I deeply trust in the breath work and the healing arts. Let's drop in right now, live and in person in Sedona, Arizona. Oh, I almost forgot. Anahata gave a free gift to Wellness Force. This is really valuable. When you resonate with her voice today, she is going to give a guided animal spirit journey audio, a medicine wheel PDF, and plus sign, a hundred bucks off the Sedona Empowerment and Awakening Weekend this year, or a hundred bucks off her Quantum Leap High Performance Online Coaching. Don't miss these free gifts. Anahata was really generous. Get your free gifts at wellnessforce.com forward slash 282. Hello everyone, it's Josh Trent with Wellness Force and we are here at Anahata Ananda's house in Sedona, Arizona. How are you feeling today? So amazing, epic rainbow this morning, beautiful sun gazing and yoga and exercise on the deck, a great way to start the day. It has been truly remarkable and I say that uh, to really highlight the word remarkable to be here in your home. Yeah. And so much of what we explore on this show is the physical and the emotional. Yeah. And I feel like I'm sitting with the perfect person oh, yes. to explore this with. <laughs> um, I was so curious and I've been wanting to ask you this ever since I met you. So we'll start with this. Your name, it means love and it also means happiness. Yes. Did you choose that? How did your soul choose your oh, name? Oh, thank you for asking that. Yeah. So um, Anahata is a spiritual name when I was going through my kind of dark night of the soul and is exploring all kinds of different modalities. And one of those was meditation and kind of awakening and enlightenment. And uh, so I was in this deep, deep training and um, presence with some of my teachers. And, uh, you know, it was time for me to receive uh, my spiritual name. What year was that when you received the name? Oh, gosh. Uh, oh, I, it, 2004, A while back. Maybe? 2004. Yeah, something yes. like that. And, uh, you know, I knew, like, in my lifetime, I knew even before I met them, it's about the heart. It's about the heart. Like, I knew that. And the Sanskrit term for the heart chakra is anahata, yeah. which is that it actually translates love and also translates as unstruck, unfazed. Like, like nothing can temper, like, nothing can affect the presence of love. And so yeah. it's that unconditional love. And then they added uh, Ananda at the end, which means bliss. Okay, yeah. And so, which is that higher frequency of, of you know, divine e ecstasy. And so, blissful heart. 
<laughs> yes, and, and it's so perfect because last night, by the way, let's talk about last night. Okay. Uh, I'm in your home, we're doing breath work, it's a very right. intimate container, and the way that you facilitate a breathwork ceremony, it's really a ceremony, it's a sacred ceremony. 100% a ceremony. Um, people, we've had a lot of talk about both plant medicine and breathwork on the show. But if people don't know what your style is, do you have a style? I mean, there's so many things out there. Wim Hof and yeah. Stan Groff. And right. what is your style with breathwork? Like, what did we do last time? <laughs> okay. So, um, well, first of all, shamanja. I call it shamanjelic breathwork. Yeah. Because it's a blending of different modalities. I've trained with all kinds of different breathwork practitioners and all of that. And... To me, the breathing is the shaman that opens the doorway to the inner sanctuary and into the shadow and, and opens the doorway for more light to come in. And where I like to bring my magic is to deepen where the breath opens and where with a word, with support, with intention, with presence, with different healing modalities, help to open that space up wider yeah. and to go deeper and usher people through the shadow and through the dark night into that awakening, into the heart, into the expansion. And so it's very interactive as you experience. Definitely. I'm not standing over in the corner just pushing the playlist and there's you know, drums, a rattle. there's music, <laughs> yeah. there's all these different components involved. It's the first time I've ever had an experience quite like that. Yeah. So it was, thank you, by the way. Thank you for just, oh. and we'll talk about it later in the show, like some of the things that came up for me. Yeah. But this concept of shamanjelic healing. Right. Before I, I heard about you, I'd never even heard this phrase, shamanjelic yeah. healing. Uh, if people don't know what that is, like how do you define shamanjelic healing? What Thank is that? You. Well, that's yeah. the name of my company, shamanjelic mm -hmm. healing. And I, it's a blending. To me, when I started doing my training in shamanism and you know, the different emotional clearing and shamanic modalities. It was, you know, primarily a lot about moving the darkness out. And, you know, what, when am I, with one of my sessions that I went to from one of my teachers, you know, it, we, like we got a lot of this rage and a lot of anger out. And then I just felt kind of really empty. We just worked on one end of the equation of just moving the darkness out, but didn't put any light in. Mm. And like, where's the love? You know, where's the light? Where, where what am I going to put in its place? And I didn't feel like just that modality alone of moving darkness out mat matched with me, but going there really did. But the other part of the equation is let's bring in grace, let's bring in compassion, let's bring in healing, let's bring in tenderness. If there is a wound, and we all have wounds, yes. we all have pains, is the shaman is let's go in and take a look at that with courage and honesty. And the angel is, and let's bring light, love, and compassion as we do that. And let's meet that tenderness with an angelic presence. And mm -hmm. not just, okay, let's rip that shit out of there, and then you're done, bye. And it's yeah. like, Last night, you may have experienced uh, like holding in a, in a very maternal, loving presence. So when you're facing a fear or a pain, you can feel supported with strength and courage so you, you, you're you not afraid, but also with loving kindness so that yeah. you're held and can open the heart. Because we're not going to rip open the heart. We're going we're gonna to melt what's in the way of the heart opening. One of our stones was courage. Yes. And I thought it was perfect because... Yeah. In researching for this interview with you, <laughs> I came across this concept of bravery versus courage. Mm. And to have courage, courage, I believe, comes from the heart, yeah. which is why in our ceremony last night, I was like, oh, this is perfectly yeah. guided. Yeah. But I think bravery can sometimes come from an egoic place. Mm. How would you define this contrast between bravery and courage? 
I think the courage is to really face whatever comes up. And, and I think that is brave. I, I, I feel in some ways they're, they're, they're synonyms in some ways. Uh, I think the courage to be vulnerable. I think it takes courage to face a fear or a, a limitation or a, a, a shadow from the past. I think that takes incredible bravery to, to, in the presence of an arch nemesis, a pain, to be able to stand in the presence of it and breathe and, and not run, hide, blame, sedate, ignore, or distract. Yeah. I think that that takes both bravery and courage. Mm. And, um, and I think it, that's, why, that's why that stone was so important last night. Yeah. And there was also love on the altar. And so I, I like to have the juxtaposition of the feminine and masculine in the same space so that it takes courage to be tender. Yes, it does. <laughs> it takes and courage to open your heart or feel mm -hmm. a pain. I love the way that you... You, you filled the room with this divine motherly energy. Mm. Um, and let's face it, like grandmothers, mothers, they have a unique power compared mm. to the masculine. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I felt from you ever since I got here is people don't mess around with you. You've been doing this for 20 years. Um, <laughs> men and women both come to see you. Oh, so it's oh. not like women are just here. Oh, all walks of life. Ooh. I have professional athletes. I have executives from New York City. I have billionaires. I have truck drivers from Alabama, oh, wow. you know, I mean, and and women from all walks of life, all ages from teenagers, yeah. you know, um, I do rites of passage and and baptisms and weddings and marital dissolutions and, uh, you know, people that are dealing with different cancers, yeah. you know, people say, well, what's your target audience? And I go, you know what? People that are ready to heal and awaken, uh -huh. that's it. There's a common thread, I feel like, with men and women that come see you, and it's they're going through some sort of a massive transition. Yeah. They're approaching, sure. maybe they're getting close to a threshold, they're going through it, or they're in a space where they don't know what the hell is going on. Yes, that is definitely, people come if there's a diagnosis, they come if there's a divorce, they, they come if there's some chaos in their physical body, maybe they're having challenges with their career, depression, but peace, people also come because they know that there's another aspect of their potential that has yet been untapped. Yeah. And so there's this whole range of people that might be coming for deep core healing, all the way to people are like, okay, let me tap my fullest potential and awaken my consciousness and mm -hmm. let me step into really my authentic power. So I love that full range because it's delicious for me at every step. I, I love this. It's like <laughs> you create almost in a way a bigger emotional bandwidth for people yeah. to feel the truth of what's already there. Right. And just meet them where they are because they might be in addiction. They might be in diagnosis. They might be trapped in a codependent relationship with either a substance or a person or a yeah. belief. And I'm like, yeah, let's let's dismantle that and get, get down to what's real. Yeah. And you have the context for this because you have not been like this linear, perfectly guided path. 20 years ago, you said in a video on your YouTube channel, um, I was a mom, I had two babies, I was going through massive transition, I was letting go of a marriage. Like, can you just take us emotionally? We don't have to go into yeah. the details of yeah, the story, yeah. but can you take us emotionally to where that was for you 20 years ago? Oh before this deep work that you've done for two decades? Like, where were you then? Yeah, oh, that was my dark night, for sure. That was that was a big one for me. And uh, I was in overwhelm. I'm a mother, I'm a, a very, very happy mother of twins, and, and they're phenomenal and amazing. And, and like many families that have little ones, 
you know, overwhelmed with the, the challenges of navigating, especially in nuclear families, because we're not necessarily living in communities anymore. We don't have auntie, uncle, grandmother, you know, 12 year old to kind of help with, you know, take caregiving and yeah. two at a time. And uh, my husband at the time was, you know, working full time. And so we just with two at a time kind of overwhelmed physically, emotionally and energetically and didn't feel completely supported in the process. So my physical health was failing. You know, I wasn't having the time to, you know, take care of myself. Yeah. And um, the challenges of that brought challenges in our relationships because neither my, my, my husband and I at the time had great communication tools going into our relationship. You know, I think most of us weren't necessarily modeled conscious, conscious communication. And so when overwhelm and challenge happens, we don't always have that, the tools to navigate it. So blame, sedation, you know, projections, emotional, um, you know, chaos happens and, and uh, emotional eating and, and sedating all kind of tends to be the standard way of dealing with overwhelm. And like, I just got to the point where I'm like, this cannot be it. And uh, my health, I got, I got uh, another, I got a diagnosis of like a challenge with my thyroid at that time. And I was like, I'm not speaking my truth because that's mm. all I hear about the throat. I'm not feeling supported. I'm not feeling heard. Like I need help. And everything in my body, emotionally, physically, and relationship was just melting down. When you were in that space, did you feel like you couldn't speak your truth? I was speaking my truth, but nobody was listening. Ah. I was shamed for asking for help. Mm-hmm. It was like, well, just, hey, you know what? Uh, deal with it. You know, like, what's your problem? Like the narrative of suck it up, just handle it. Right. And I, yeah. I'm quite capable. I'm a fire sign. Yeah. I like You're a multitasker. Mm-hmm. You know, I would be breastfeeding one and bouncing the other one with my foot. And I was like, okay, you know, this one's crying. This one, I need to breastfeed that one and then switch. And okay, put you down, get the other one breastfeeding. And then, and you know, to breastfeed too, mm-hmm. making like 60 ounces of milk a day, like the physiology of actually making that much food for two human beings that are feeding like every two hours means that I have to actually eat a lot of calories, drink a lot of water and get a lot of rest, which was not happening. Do you remember what it was like to be at that moment where you're like, okay, everything's going to change now. There's an inflection point, you know, and everything goes from hot to cold in our bodies. It's sodium and potassium pump. Was there a moment that you knew that you wanted to change? Like it was instantaneous. There were some challenges in the marriage where I was like, okay, this something needs to change. And this was one of the pieces for me. Um, I started yoga. I started cleaning up my diet. I went through what I call a marital liberation and, um, really just, and, and, and getting the help that I needed. Like, I'm like, I will find it other ways. So Mm -hmm. I got really creative and really self, like the self-preserving, uh, primal energy kicked in because I'm like, my kids need me to show up even more than I am because my love and devotion for them was so deep that I was like, okay, I need to turn things around. And, and, it, it, it just cat- propelled me into my own healing journey, um, cleansing, fasting, um, yoga, meditation, shamanism, because there was a lot of rage and anger and grief through mm-hmm. that whole process. You know, and long before I got married, that, that I brought in with me. And most of us bring that into our relationships. Even from past lives as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And definitely from my childhood, some things that needed to shift. And so... I knew that traditional counseling wasn't personally going to work for me because we had tried that in our, our relationship. And I was like, 
we were talking about the teeniest little tip of the iceberg. and yeah. I, I, There was I, almost like there was a fear to go deeper with the other side. No, I was ready to go deeper. Like, let's, let's yeah. talk about what's under the water, the iceberg, like the whole iceberg. And in the counseling session, it was just, okay, well, let's address this. And you asked nicely to have the trash taken out. And I was like... Yeah, okay, that's not really the issue here. Like, there's, This isn't about the trash. Right, yes, I get that. I could ask yeah. more nicely, had to have the taste of Like, I get that. But so for me, I dove into shamanic healing as a way to kind of purge the deeper pain and anger and darkness that had never been transmuted before. The power of this too is like, not everyone's called to do what you do. I think it's a, it's a fraction of 1% of the population. The, the shaman word, the word shaman, Right now, that word is being overused, in my opinion, the word of the shaman. And how many people can relate, by the way, whether somebody watching or listening has been through a marriage that separated or they had health journeys? Like, your story is a mirror of millions of people. Of course. Just like mine is. Right, we all find overwhelm. The the undercurrent of this, though, for you in this shamanic realm, which is really exciting, um, is a true definition of a shaman is what? Like, who is a shaman, man or woman? So um, there are many different definitions of that. And... You know, when we're looking at that, there are many tribes. So, you know, when I started studying shamanism and shamanic healing and shamanic traditions, I'm like, well, there's so many different tribes. There's the Celtic tribes. There's the, you know, there's, there's, there's over a hundred just in North America. Mm. You know, if we look at historically different tribes, they're going to have different beliefs, different cultures, different healing modalities. There's a bunch, there's all these different tribes and different types of shamans. Um, In South America, there's the medicine man, there's the caro, there's the, there's the kind of the the priest, there's the chief, you know, there's the person. like every culture has their shaman. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's many faces and different roles because the shaman can play the healer. The, cha- the shaman can play the ceremonialist. The shaman can be the medicine man. The, sh- the shaman or the shamanic woman can be the seer or the oracle. There's not one role that a shaman plays because it depends on what type of shaman you're dealing with. Yeah. And ayahuasquero in the jungle is specifically disseminating and holding space for the ceremonial uh, distribution and the support of ayahuasca. That's that role, but may not play those other roles. Mm-hmm. And so it's it, to understand what that is. And the shamanic healer may not be a medicine man, because like I feel like I'm more I'm more of that shamanic healer that use uses and leverages different shamanic modalities and Native American teaches in connecting with animal spirit guides and and nature and the elements as a tool to support people's healing and awakening. Well, that's very different than an ayahuasquero. That's yeah. very different than an oracle and a seer. So there's many faces and hats that a- Everyone's got their own medicine too. Yeah. And for each medicine requires a unique shaman, man mm-hmm. or woman. Mm-hmm. So when did you know, like when did you know that you were actually able, capable and ready to lead people through the work? Yeah. Like at what point during your journey did that happen? Thank you for that. Uh, so initially I had to go through my, you know, I, I dove into shamanic healing to help me navigate through and the other side of my dark night of the soul. And it was so powerful, those releases that were happening. And uh, so I decided to study it. And at that point, I was just hungry for information. I was looking for shamanic teachers, shamanic healers, and I was just 
starving for this information. Learned all about sweat lodges and, you know, nature wisdom walks and was doing all kinds of training in different modalities. And I fell in love with it. And it was kind of in my bones, Josh. I can't really understand, you know, I can't really mm-hmm. put a finger on it, but I just, I was drawn to it. Like something woke up in me and I was just devouring it. And yes. what happened for me is that my, in that process of clearing out the density, and then I also adding in meditation and detoxification, my pineal and pituitary glands like just blasted open. And so clairvoyance, the, ab- the ability to see things, Clear audience to be able to hear things and clear sentence to be able to feel things all turned on for me. So I had all of these abilities too to be able to sense, read, intuit what was happening with people. And so those came together in this incredible collaboration of skills, knowledge, and this intuition that just blossomed. And everything I was learning, I was able to apply really quickly for me. Mm-hmm. It accelerated really fast. And these gifts turned on, and I was able to offer sessions actually pretty quickly. Um, and the spiritual connection, had I had I just done the shamanic healing and training without the meditation and the cleansing, and the I did a whole other training around energy healing and consciousness and meditation and yoga and breath work, when those linked, that's when it that's when it catalyzed for me. I think I just learned a new layer of you. Like this is the recipe. There's there's so many different parts of this shamanjelic healing. What are the parts that actually make up the recipe now compared to when you started? When I started, I was you know really I was focused a lot on physiology because that's what I was needing yeah. to um, recalibrate a lot of detoxification, a lot of cleansing, a lot of fasting. And so I dove into raw foods, superfoods, cleansing, and that was a big part that actually allowed me to conduct more light is doing the physiological cleanse to actually be more conductive in my physical body. That, that makes make so sense? much sense okay, because, good? well, when you're healthy, right. when, when men and women are healthy, and this goes for everybody, if we're feeling good in our bodies, right. how much more radical space can we hold for someone else? When, without that, without a doubt. And so that, you know, in, in clearing that out and clearing the emotional body so that more light and consciousness can move through unobstructed, like, it, it became, I became physically, energetically, and emotionally a lot more powerful in my body. Mm. And I could wield and move energy with a lot more ease and grace. And because these channels were open and connected, I could allow in that intuition and that guidance. And that's what happens in my sessions today. At first, I was awkward and unfamiliar because I would sit down, I would sit down with somebody and guides would start coming in. I, like one of my first readings with somebody I saw this woman with a flute behind behind this woman, and I was just like, okay. I hadn't yet figured out how to deal with- <laughs> Were the, you like, am I crazy? Yeah, I'm like, um, <laughs> I, do I say something? Am I like, what's going on? And I, and, and, and I trusted for the first time, I, you know, I trusted that intuition because I hadn't ever seen people before, like that, like images that crisp before, standing right over her shoulder. And I said, hey, because it was so distracting, I couldn't continue the reading. And I said, I just, there's a woman with a flute standing behind you. Does that mean anything to you? And she just started bawling. She goes, when I was a kid walking home from school one day with my flute in my, you know, in my little black case, I got bullied and beaten up and they threw my flute over the fence and I haven't played the flute since. 
And it was that, that was about bringing that home for her and, and realizing that that was a part of her that she lost and it's time to bring that music back home. And so in that moment I knew, okay, there's this powerful energy I have access to and intuition I have access to. And so it's always open in my sessions now. Yeah. I'm listening to what question to ask, to feeling, wow, his grandfather's pretty powerful in his field. So when we go to our, into our healing session, I'm going to bring the grandfather in. Mm. And so I'm listening in the sessions that I do, what guides or what support or what, what way I can leverage intuitive guidance to make their experience more powerful. And speaking of powerful, the reason why what you do now, 2019, is so powerful yeah. is because you're bringing so many years of wisdom, literally thousands of years of wisdom mm. for the now. What do yes. you think this means now for people to be in the shamanic work now um, compared to back then? Because we live in a different world now. Right, right, right. You know, We live so in a world then, of technology and distraction. Right, so, you know, it, it definitely I ha have connected back to other lifetimes where I was, you know, shamanic healer and holding that space. And I mean, How it's cool in my bones that I, well, you know what? I, actually, last night, um, when I was doing that clearing with your belly, it was like, that's that, you know, like that voice is not my voice. And when I started doing my shamanic training, that voice came in, which ain't mine. It's from, it's, <laughs> it's like my dude voice from some other lifetime. Yeah. And it's, it, it's a clearing mantra that yeah. I've never learned, but I said it over and over and over in a another lifetime. And I've, I've been back to that lifetime to understand that. And so I also have that knowledge from all of those experiences and all of that training and that your, knowledge. Your work is more received now than ever. I mean, look at the pendulum swinging when right. we look at psychedelic adoption, um, different modes of alternative health and right. therapy, shamanic work. Yeah. Everything that you represent and all the energy that you bring to people, I think is more ready to be received now than ever before. Well, a lot of our dis-ease is coming from a disconnection from our natural rhythms and dis disconnection from Mother Earth and having a, our elemental balance, you know, not in harmony and um, a disconnection from grounding and gratitude. And these are all practices that are more um, Native American or shamanic in nature. And so I think, you know, then it was about survival. Like, are we going to get through the winter? Are we going to find food? Yes. You know, is there enough? Is there enough? Um, from the hunt to feed everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, how are we gonna move people from here to there? Like it was it was very different. Today it's not about survival, it's about finding who we are because we've lost that, reconnecting to what's important, calming the nervous system, and um, really coming back to our own authenticity. And so the the medicine man or the medicine woman today is learning how to adapt those ancient teachings to modern day issues for okay i have chronic fatigue um i i'm i'm a mother with this many kids i'm i'm a working you know i'm i'm working and i have this ailment you know how do i deal with all of this stress and anxiety and adrenal fatigue and so we have different issues and so my shamanic training initially was remembering all of those old old teachings and then it's been this journey of two decades of research about what is the human condition? What is the, what is the wound? What is the fissure in the psyche and in the energy body and the physiology that the medicine needs to go now? Yeah. And so I love, you know, bringing it to, like, so I call myself like a more and more of a modern day shamaness because it's, 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 it's bringing the old wisdom, the ancient wisdom and blending it with like some very practical things for modern day expansion. Before I ever came to your house, I obviously looked at your website 
and on your website, there was this quote that I read. And I have felt that quote so profoundly in this day and a half I spent with you. Mm. And the quote is, it's my soul's mission to profoundly impact the masses with core healing and spiritual awakening. When you wrote that, when you created that, do you still feel the same now? Has that changed in any way or is that your North Star? 100%. Like yeah. it's, it's it, you know, in that place where I was stuck and didn't have support in a community or in a tribe or in a family that that knew how to support me through that process, I had to piecemeal it together. I'm like, I don't want people to go through that. You know, I want people to have the tools and resources of somebody that understands what they're going through, whether it's a diagnosis, a divorce, whether it's just, I want to be the best version of me. Um, I want to connect to my divine guidance um, and to dissolve the, the, the layers and the fissures of what aren't me and bring my, you know, come home to who I truly am. Like that lights me up. And I came here to shine and I came here in, in this body to really help through my heart, consciousness, compassion, and the tools to really help people navigate big core life shifts. In the ceremony last night, there was a moment where I said, you have this presence of a profound divine mother. And you said, that's great. I had to learn that on my own. Uh, for sure. A big that part was of my life, for me. <laughs> the mother wasn't there. Has your relationship with that old energy of the mother, or even now, the mother energy you have, you have yeah. with your own mother now, yeah. How has that helped you become a more powerful shamanjelic healer? Well, I, you know, I think in order to come to unconditional, to, to understand and be able to convey unconditional love with that dear, like mother energy that you mm -hmm. felt last night, mm -hmm. like, although my my mother very much loves me and cares cares about me, we're we're still very close to to this day. But she was working two jobs and not, you know, as much emotionally pr or physically present. Um, my grandmother was a big influence, very unconditionally loving um, when we would see her. And, but that deep, deep, deep Mother Mary kind of unconditional love, I, I didn't have a reference for it, not divine unconditional love. And so when I was doing you know, my training, I also learned in this kind of higher consciousness state, oh, I can connect with Mother Mary and I can ask her to train me. And so allowing her essence in, not just receiving that from a ground, but actually allowing myself to be to fully embody the frequency and to feel it in my body and allow her to bring that energy in me and, and, and help her show me how to express that to somebody else mm -hmm. has shifted my ability to access the divine feminine. You were sharing about a moment where she actually moved your body. Oh, 100%. Which we've talked about this with Rose Cole on the show. And so we understand that sometimes our bodies can be moved by other things than just us. And 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 let me let me preface this with saying and I do that with a very clear intention of I'm only letting what is in for my highest good. Yeah. You know, and especially with ceremonies and things like that, that's why we set the intention last, last night for our highest good. And so I'm not interested in letting, I very rarely let anything into my body unless I have said, this is for my highest good. And teach me, show me, and you are of divine pure essence. So in that way, I can fully surrender and allow allowed Mother Mary to actually show me how her, my head tilted to the left, my, my arms, you know, went into this cradle posture. And I felt unconditional divine feminine love in a way I never have before. Mm. Ever. I haven't been felt like that. I felt my, my grandmother and my mother love me, but I, I never felt held like that 
with total presence, without agenda, with total compassion, with just grace. And so now I can transmit that. And it's, it's one of the most powerful modalities, I feel, because all of us are, are wounded and afraid and alone in some capacity. And when we're wounded, we don't want to be like, get back up, get back up. You know, we want to be held in that, mm-hmm. you know, and not, not coddled to the point of, you, you know, don't get back yeah, out th- there. Yeah, there's an adult version of the space to heal exactly. without being self-deprecating. Exactly. <laughs> we walk that fine line, but people like you help us walk that. And there was a moment last night that was really... Like I can still feel it actually mm. in my stomach. And you said to me, I don't know if you ever really felt like you've been supported. Yeah. And in my life now, I feel so supported, but there was a part of me and the card that I drew was actually core, core wound. Healing. Core, yeah, healing. core healing. And there's a picture of a child on the card. And I'm just thinking, okay, what's gonna go on this? <laughs> what's gonna <laughs> go on this breath tonight. work? You know? And and what came up for me was there was so many times when I was a child, and this is deep into the breathwork journey, that I just had my heart broken over and over and over and over again, that right. it was almost like, okay, well, I'm just not gonna love anymore. Right. Or I'm gonna love to a point. I'm gonna love but like with an arm out. Distance. I'm gonna love back here. So if you wanna jump over my arm and prove to me that you're worthy of my love, then I'll love you. Right. But I realized- and Don't you dare leave me. Yes, but I realized in this work last night, um, the thing that's been blocking me from the divine feminine has been me. It hasn't been the world. It hasn't been life circumstances. And I got this burst of joy, (laughs) this burst of joy of like, I wonder who I get to have kids with. (laughs) It's such an exciting feeling. And um, I think this is, and and we just did a tip of the iceberg of what you actually do. So I'm compelled to ask you about other tools beyond breath work. Yeah. Because breath work is powerful. I mean, we literally just breathed, you held space, you did it in your own unique divine way. But what are the other tools that people can go to to access those points of healing. Right. So when, so that, what the breath work does is allows us to kind of look at where, when you brought, got that core healing card, yeah. it was like, and what you shared with me earlier about your childhood, I was like, oh, we're going to the inner child. And, you know, and, and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, this is, this is this ability to just uh-huh. go like with laser precision right into that spot of like there, we're going there to where you haven't feel supported. We felt abandoned and not feeling safe and w- that wounded child, because that really is the divine feminine awakening in you to be able to hold that space for yourself, whether there's a woman in your life or not. You know, whether your mother there is there or father is there or whether, whether a buddy leaves or comes or goes, that you're able to bring the divine feminine awake inside of you to hold your inner child when you need to so that you can have grace, you can have nurturing, you can have that support. Um, and, and you're not relying on an outside source always to be showing that for you. Yeah. So the other things that I do, uh, like a shamangelic healing journey is one of my signature sessions. And we sit in these exact chairs and have you know, uh, a raw revealing conversation about what's up, what's going on, the story, the challenges, the emotions. And I get to, while that sharing is happening, I get to read what's happening in the chakra energy centers of the body, where energy is leaking, where there's codependency, where there's a story, where there's emotion, where there's fear. 
And I'm just here listening, holding space, inquiring, having this beautiful sharing in the first part of that experience. And then the second part, we go into the healing room. And you've been into my healing space. Oh, it's wonderful. Right. So this is like sweet little womb cave. Mm -hmm. And in that journey, there's emotional clearing. There may be a guide that comes in. I'm not ever in charge. Never. No journey has ever in almost two decades ever been the same, ever it's always uniquely tailored with divine guidance to, and based on what was uncovered in the session, to guide a journey to help move out the density and bring in the light with whatever is happening. You know, with so like with somebody with cancer or some kind of ailment, we'll go into that space in the body and talk to it, address it, understand it, love it, release it. And, um, you know, with somebody else that has had, a, a, you know, a, a physical or a sexual abuse, then we'll go into that and kind of re- release, clear, heal it and see it from a bigger perspective. So I like the, the one-on-one work, one-on-one work there. I do retreats, you know, for groups. And sometimes people will, will come and just bring six people or eight people and say, hey, can you tailor a day with breath work, a workshop, private sessions, go out on the land? And I love those. I, I love just really diving deep with people. Do you ever take people, because I think of another tool for accessing a different state of consciousness. Yes, plant medicine is one. Breath work is another one. I do float tanks. Yeah. Um, do you do anything personally in the past maybe three or five years that you think is new and exciting? Like what's new and exciting for you in this state change world? Do you have anything new that you've been doing? I think that for me, stillness in nature, there's no medicine like it. Mm -hmm. Barefoot, we're gonna do this today. We're gonna go into a crystal birthing cave. Sounds like a movie scene. I know, right? There. right? <laughs> like for real. All right, we'll film clips of that. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we're really just going to be held. I, I, I feel like the deep, deep nurturing is when I'm barefoot or laying on Mother Earth and I'm, I'm, I'm allowing a melting and a surrendering of all my stories, all my worries, and just breathing and tapping into the parasympathetic nervous system and let Mother Earth do the healing you know, where there's no effort, there's no cost, you're just laying there and you're just surrendering and just allowing yourself to be held. And I think a lot can melt in that place. And when there's that shedding and that melting and the surrendering and allowing, then inspiration comes in because when I dissolve and I surrender, then it opens up this beautiful doorway for replenishment and then inspiration or spirit can come in, inspiration, then it's like, oh, I've got this new idea or I feel called to to take this action in this way. And the creative energy is then allowed and the inspirational energy is allowed to be ignited. And so I always feel not only nourished, held and replenished, but inspired and ignited and lit up. You make me think of a well, like when a well has water that's sloshing around, nothing can be seen. Right. The water has to be still to see the bottom. Right. So to take people through breath work is one thing, to guide people through their own stillness is another. Yeah, so I'll just take people and we'll do it today and we'll just take people on the land and just kind of be. And we might have a conversation with the mountain, we might be with the tree, we might have an animal spirit come into our journey. So I like what I call this is like a shamanic wisdom walk. Mm -hmm. You know, we might be with an elder tree and receive some insight or some pearl of wisdom just by meditating with a 500-year-old elder or one of these mountains that's a couple hundred million years old. Well, can I have a shamanic ceremony just being in the presence of an elder that understands resilience and longevity better than I have and has, you know, definitely stood the test of time? Mm. You know, 
couple ice ages, you know, floods. And like, to me, my teachers are in nature and my, my, my primal healing happens there. Well, let's talk about nature then as it relates to the, <laughs> to the spirit medicine wheel. Yeah. Because this concept I heard about, I think a year ago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm going to check that out one day. And then I realized that this is one of the things that you deeply embody is this wheel. Mm -hmm. So let's do a deep dive into this because I think the practicality of this spirituality is big right now for all of us. People need a map. Yeah. People, and I say need not as a negative connotation. We all need each other. Right. We need one another. Right. So the map of how we can interrelate to one another and how we navigate the, the challenges of life um, the Native Americans created a powerful wheel for this. Right. Yeah. So, so in my in my healing practice, there's a couple different maps or diagnostic tools that I'll use, and one of them is the chakra centers of of all of the different chakras centers of the body, and being able to tell what's out of balance. So that's one way, one map where we can say, oh, this is out of balance. This is blocked. This is open. Okay. If, if people understand the map, then they can go to the specific energy that needs the, the imbalance or realignment. Um, then there's the feminine and masculine balance, the left and right, left and right sides of the body, the yin yang and the feminine masculine and learning how to balance those. And then the other one that I love to, to use is, or leverage is the, the medicine wheel. And there is no one medicine wheel. If you Google medicine wheel on, you'll see there's all of these different diagrams with different colors and different things in each direction. It's basically a big compass, Josh, with North, South, East, and West. And what different tribes would use that for is they would put different things in the different directions. So there's no one. When I started studying shamanism, I'm like, well, can we all agree? And that's like trying to get people to agree on the one name of God, you know, or spirit or, or <laughs> right. like creator or Buddha yes. or Allah. Is like, can we all just get together and have a summit and mm. just pick one word? And, and, and that isn't the way it is. Not and so like, much. There's many paths in many ways. Yeah. And so- what I'm going to share to you today is, is one of those one of those versions. And so, um, in fact, for your audience, for those listening and watching, we'll we'll be sure to put that as a free gift, like that little diagram, so yes. that you can have a for the concrete, visual people. You'll have a great yeah. tool to to go yeah. off of. Yeah, if you're listening, you're watching. Yeah. You, you'll you know you'll be able to have a visual diagram of what we're talking about. Okay, so this is in the West. Let's start with the West. So that is where the sun sets. This is the vibration of letting go and surrendering. What sits there in this particular wheel, there is a direction, a season, an element, and an animal, you know? And Native wheels down in um, South America are gonna have different animals there, of course, and different colors and all of that. But this particular one, the West, as the sun sets, it's like letting go. Am I gonna hold anger? Am I gonna hold resentment? Or am I gonna let it go? You know, if we only did that every day hmm. and we didn't hold it until the next sun rose. Yeah. So there's great medicine in the West, the surrender, letting go. The season that represents there is the fall season where the trees let go of the leaves and the branches that have served their reason and their purpose. Like they're, they, they have, they're complete with what they have been holding on to. They don't need it any longer. Instead of like, well, hey, let's just be friends, you know, call me, you know, like trying to hold on to a relationship way past its natural due. Like nature doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. It's too wise to do that. Humans, you know, you know, oh, I want to hold on to this picture. I want to hold on to this person. I want to hold on to this. You know, we're, we're clutter, you know, just hounds for holding on to things. And nature is like, 
the fall, let go, surrender. Yeah. This is why the leaves fall off the trees. Yeah, they're like, I'm done with this. <laughs> and and there isn't yeah. like this holding, gripping. It's like, oh, this is complete. It's not needed any longer. There's no story or emotion about it. And um, the element is the emotion, the water element. Because when we're closing a big chapter or we're letting go of a, of a relationship or closing a chapter or we're letting go of our youth or having a pain about the past, the water element, our emotions, it's, it's cleansing and purifying and releasing. The animal spirit here in the West is um, snake because it's about shedding the skin, you know, and if we're to become the next powerful version of ourself, then the snake says, if I'm going to grow, the first thing that I got to do is let go of the sheath and the skin that has held me mm -hmm. in the past size. Like I can't become bigger and, and better and stronger and wiser when I'm still being held by the sheath of the past. And so this is about surrendering and letting go of the past. And it's kind of like weeding out the garden, if we were to say. I love that we started in the West because I think if anyone wants a new life, they have to be willing Start to let go there. of the old one first. Start there. But that's that's the will. I mean, what is a challenge for people when they're in the West, when they find themselves in the West? Like what's what's the go-to thing that you've seen where they kind of deny it? They want to hold go on. They want to hold on to it. Yeah. So by holding on to it, it's kind of if we look at a weed in a garden, it's like by holding on to it, you're basically feeding the root system. So I'm going to hold on to alcohol long past it's a medicine for me. Or I'm going to hold on to this relationship when it, when it's actually already served its purpose. And now by holding on to it, we're going to create chaos between us. It's not going to be healthy now because it's now a poison. We're holding long past its natural time. Yeah. So or I'm going to hold on to this uh, belief that I'm, I'm not enough. Or I'm going to hold on to this victim mentality because I was traumatized here, here, and here. So by holding on to that past identity, by holding on to a substance, a relationship, a limiting belief, a fear, a doubt, an insecurity, we're just feeding it. And by feeding it, that weed gets bigger. And our garden is this amount of space of how, how much energy we have to create things. And if the weed is sucking all of the nutrients from the soil and the water, then here's our little seed over here. I'm, I'm planning the intention of a, of a healthy, happy relationship in life, but 90% of my energy is going to feed this weed. And we wonder why I haven't manifested yet. You're like, but I did the vision board, you know, like, <laughs> but 90% uh -huh. of my story, my energy is feeding that addiction, that limita limitation. So this, this is, is about big. like weeding out that. This is big too, because on, on your show, which I was so happy to be on, we, oh. talked, we talked about applying and gathering, but embodying. Yes. So people could do the medicine wheel. You can get the download, you can have the medicine wheel at your house and you can journal on it and everything. But the actual doing, the space between having the wheel at your home and looking at it and actually allowing yourself in the West to let go of something, if somebody's feeling resistance about letting go, what can you tell them? Well, and that's the thing is, is, is that you, you can keep holding on to that until long you want and it will continue to grow. Uh -huh. So I'm not about forcing people to let go of something. It's just the courage and the braveness that we're talking about to say that it's real. Because sometimes we get into this West and people realize they have an addiction. Or we get into the West and they realize that their anger about their arch nemesis or the villain in their life is eating them up but they're still not ready to let go of it. So I'm like, mm -hmm. okay. Because it's serving them. They're getting something from it in some way, even though it's hurting them. Right, right. And so what I do is I'm just going to gently shine a light on it. Ah. So that's where I get to be this balance of the truth teller and holding space.
And then we go into the north, right? Right. Which so is, that, so it's yeah. perfect because So this is like, you got to see what's there because a lot of times, la, 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 I don't want to look at that. I want to deal with that. Yes. But so we weed the garden in the west so that we're coming to the north, which is about connecting to divine guidance, to great spirit, higher perspective, our spiritual counsel. It's the air element, breathing, prana, life force, it's the winter season of hibernation and coming in. It's the bear. And the bear can dig through eight feet of snow for a frozen berry, or it can be like, maybe if I take a nap and let <laughs> I'm everything- I'm in winter right now. I'm in winter. <laughs> yeah, This is right? what I feel about me. Right? And it's yeah. like honoring that, mm-hmm. you know, because then otherwise, if the bear could dig through that eight feet of snow for a frozen berry and waste all of that energy for a little thing mm-hmm. and realizing there's wisdom to napping, there's wisdom to rest and replenishment. And um, in today's modern society, the winter season, the North element is highly judged and criticized. You're lazy or, you know, you're not getting things done. You're not productive. And the thing is, it's highly productive to sit in this space of higher consciousness. This is where we meditate. This is where inspiration, we let spirit in. So where we receive divine guidance, healing, replenishment. Mm-hmm. It's also the eagle where we can see a higher perspective of things. It gives us, oh, that's why that happened. So if we empty the garden in the west, in the north, we're like fertilizing the soil. We're amending the soil. We're getting inspiration about what seed, what seed am I meant to plant? Because we can go over to the east and start planting seeds without doing those other two things. And we realize, why am I not getting the abundance? Because I'm planting the wrong seed or it's not the right time to plant it. Yeah. Or I'm planting the seed that I planted last year, but it's not the divine seed that I meant to plant this season. One thing you mentioned too is this is where we draw on our spirit council. Yep. So this is, a, this is not just about stillness and breath. Uh, it's about listening and being still enough to listen, right. cultivating that skill set of being still, <laughs> Right. which is easier said than done, I believe. How do you cultivate that for yourself now? Well, I have to empty the emotional body because if I sit still and I haven't done that, that's what I hear. Yeah. So if I haven't gone over to the West and if I'm still feeling anger or resentment or grief and I haven't moved that out, when I go to sit still, those waves come up. And so that's why it's so important to do the West work. For me, breathing initially, like Kapalabhati, breath of fire, and yoga to kind of get the spine all juicy so that when I sit, my physical body isn't pulling me out of that stillness. And uh, for me, that breath of fire, clearing the brain first, and a deep inhale, hold like we did last night, Mm -hmm. to kind of flood the brain with um, prana, uh, oxygen, blood flow kind of actually clears the brain so that I can drop into a deeper stillness much quicker. Yeah. So I really, I really enjoy just that quiet. This is beautiful because the contrast of, of myself, and I know people can relate to this in the winter, if we're acting like it's summer, if we're acting like it's spring, we're actually going against kind of our divine guidance to be still, to take in. I mean, look at all the cultures across the world. This is where people would be still. This is where they would have all the food they've stored from harvesting it in the summer. But as a society, we're kind of going against this right now. We're kind of in perpetual spring and summer. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, culturally, go, 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 do, do, do. And so that's why we have an epidemic of adrenal fatigue and immune system disorders, uh, you know, all kinds of digestion problems and um, uh, emotional mental disorders because 
the cortisol levels of being go, go, go all the time and being awake till two in the morning is actually not within our body's capacity to navigate that much energy. You know, we're able to do that in short bursts, you know, and, and birth something, yeah. but then just like a tree, we need to release the leaves and, and replenish so that we can birth again. And so we're going to have diminishing returns if we're expecting go, 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 do, do, do. And no, no plant is consistently flowering. And <laughs> exactly. fruit, and no plant does that. Yeah. And so in the north, we get to have this balance of the bear that goes into the, into the den and rests and replenishes and then comes out to the eagle and say, oh, let's look at the different possibilities of where I can go next. Let me get divine inspiration from my higher self so that I am inspired when I go forward. Yeah. I've cleared out the fear, doubts, insecurities and everything from the West. Now I'm inspired and I might plant a whole new seed instead of just planting what I planted last season. I was reading online, the Lakota, they, they described that as the medicine wheel is a tool for modern day balance and acts like a mirror that reflects back your humanity. Yes. Which I think is a profound statement that yes. the wheel that we're talking about is a guidepost. Yes. It's a map of some sorts. Right, for when our we soul. look at it like this, if you know, if we're looking at a wheel, if we're over here in the east, go, 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 go all the time, then our wheel can't move with balance. So, and if we're afraid to go over there to the West and surrender and let go, mm -hmm. and it's just like, well, I don't go there, or I'm too busy to be in the North, then I'm leaning on the fire element and go, go, go all the time to, to create balance in my life, and it just won't. Even if it's something that you love, it will have diminishing returns. If you're always going there, a medicine, and this is really juicy here, a medicine is what leaves you more whole. And so th that's what they would call a medicine wheel or a medicine experience is something that leaves you more whole. If it's not, then it's a poison. And the dose of being, even in your passionate place, all the time without rest can become a poison. You know, the healthiest relationship, if you're there all the time and not mm -hmm. having downtime, can become a poison. It loses its luster. Exactly. It's not exciting. There's right? no... Um, novelty. The exactly. novelty's gone. Right. So this wheel, if people get stuck, the wheel turns into a square. Uh, yeah, and they yeah, find themselves yeah. in a cul-de-sac yeah. of pain. Exactly. Yeah, and we're all, you know, and our wheel moves around. One text in our wheel can go like this, mm -hmm. right? And so if we tend to, which is normal for, for, for all of us, to kind of gravitate toward a certain part of the wheel and hang out there and avoid other parts that we're less familiar or we don't know how or we're uncomfortable with. So if... You know, one of my clients is, you know, one of many clients is, you know, ADHD and it's like bouncing off the walls all over the place. And he's like, look, I was avoiding like the plague meditation. And he's like, look, he had to learn and stretch and expand himself to actually learn how to get into the North and enjoy it. And for him, it's such powerful medicine because it counters all of his fire and it replenishes all of that wonderful, delicious fire and yeah. his energy because now he's got the inspiration that's coming from the north. I love that you said medicine is truly something that makes us feel whole. Yes. So that's the beacon. That's the beacon. That's the barometer exactly. of, of truth. Yeah. If anyone's medicine is making them feel less whole, it's the wrong medicine. Right. Or, or maybe it's the just wrong too dose. much of a good thing. Wrong dose, wrong time. So, you know, because, you know, you could sit in the north and just be in medita meditation all the time and never take action. Yes. You know, so you can be in any places of the wheel and not and not be in a healthy balance with it because you're avoiding the other times. Yeah. You know, and there's times to be in the spring and birthing something, and there's times to be healing and releasing something. When my kids went away to college, it was like, 
okay, like this is a big chapter that's closing here. Let me like grieve this a little. I'm excited about what's ahead, but I also need to close this 18 year chapter Mm -hmm. of being their mom and serving in this capacity. It's not a weed in my garden, but I am closing a chapter and I'm letting go of the past. They're not a little boy and a little girl anymore. They're, They're spreading their wings, they're moving out. And like, I get to grieve that this chapter, like this is coming to close. And, and it was really beautiful to allow myself that emotion of, 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 and gratitude of celebrating a wonderful phase in life and also letting it go. Mm. And it's so much love that I felt that you have for them. And that's really what it's all about. When people don't want to grieve, when they sense the grief coming and they block it, they push it down. Right. What are they actually, what, what season are they stuck in when they're ignoring the grief? They're avoiding that. So here's, here's an example. So um, when you avoid that West, which is that surrender and that the emotional body, a lot of times we go into the South, which is celebration and joy, but it's also where people can hang out partying too much. This is, could be spiritually bypassing. And yeah. let me just sedate. Mm-hmm. So if we go into the South and instead of celebration and we haven't actually earned all of the harvest that happens in the South with celebration, then people go there to sedate. So this is where when we're not dealing with our emotional um, and we're not allowing them to move, like this was a beautiful grief before I could really get, you know, I, I was super excited about everything where they were going in order to authentically feel that joy. I also needed to, to grieve of letting go. And that I can authentically be in that space. So let's just say a mother isn't doing that. And then, then we have somebody that is having empty nest syndrome. And so they start controlling and manipulate their grown adult child. This is prevalent Hello. so much. Oh my gosh. So many it's of my clients. such a sickness that I've seen. Or like, you know, because their identity is woven into that yeah. being a mother or a father or for a man that is doesn't want to retire and is holding on to that identity. So then what happens is disease in the body, sedating, blaming. It's going to come out in some way. We're going to create chaos in our relationships. There's going to be some emotional like uh, consequence where I'm just going to be irritable. I'm going to be depressed because I'm really not honoring the emotions and allowing them to flow. Mm. Right? Let's talk about the East because in the East, I love this, this about fire. Yes. The fire element right. in the East, which um, lately in my life, I've been feeling like there's been a lot of heat in my body. There's mm-hmm. been a lot of heat in my existence, mm-hmm. constantly doing. Um, when people find themselves in this fire element in the East, what's really going on there? So this is the natural part. So the rising sun is new beginnings. Hey, let's start this day. Let's bring some light. Let's bring some energy. Let's create something. And the fire element brings life. It brings warmth. It brings light. And this is part of our solar plexus that is what has birthed your podcast. I wanna shine, I wanna mm-hmm. support other people shining. I'm the same way, like I wanna shine my light and I want to support that person shining their light. And there are sun, solar plexus means sun. So this is that fire element where mm-hmm. we, you know, we, we tend to lead from and that is a beautiful thing when it's in check because that is what births the seeds out of the soil. The sun is what tells those dormant seeds, hey, it's warm enough to wake up. There's enough warmth, there's enough light, there's enough nourishment from the sun. I think it's so fascinating that the seeds have a sensory temperature mechanism well, where they could, like, exactly. are you kidding me? Exactly. We live in this playground, Right. where are we? Right, and that <laughs> so we have that inside of us too of yeah. like, oh, I want to birth something and, and there's, you know, we'll, we'll have this excitement where we want to birth something and 
if fear, doubt, I'm not, I'm not going to be, you know, I might fail. What will people think about me? Then we put clouds over our sun ourselves, right? And so this fire element, the spring, new beginnings, this is the mariposa, the butterfly, where we come out of the cocoon and we're spreading our wings. This is about flight. This is life force. This is blossoms. This is springtime. And, you know, that's why so many people like the spring. I was just going to say, I think this is why I enjoy kind of running hot because right. I like the feeling of right. being in the spring. Right. And we were both born in the spring. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yes. We're spring babies. Uh-huh. We like that. Yeah. So you and May, me in April. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we like I'm in that. April too. Yeah. Oh, you're, like, you're, you're uh, April. April 29th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're April. So we're both uh-huh. April babies. And so this is like people love that new beginnings. And uh, so this is, this is that when we're in that too much, we can burn out. You know, and when we're afraid of birthing something, then we can stagnate, you know, and the same kind of thing's happening when we're not letting our light shine, when we're not finding our our authentic path. Well, depression, anxiety, and sedation are going to be the natural consequences, 100%. Be like, well, I'm I'm doing I, I'm an attorney because everybody in my family is an attorneys, and they're actually really at a core level have a to- totally different soul path, and so no wonder they're depressed and you know drinking and um, you know on medication because they're they're actually trying to force their soul to be in. Uh, planting a seed and nourishing a seed that actually isn't theirs, somebody else's. This just hit me. This wheel is a massive emotional inventory. Mm -hmm. It's truly like checking in what's going on for real way down there. Um, If somebody's stuck in this mode, what's one way they can get out of it if they're stuck in that fire, if they're stuck in the in that season? So that then I would go over to the West to be like, what needs to be released? Uh Because the fear of letting go of this job, the fear may be what's keeping them from actually happiness. The fear of, well, my wife might leave me because if I can't keep her in this lifestyle because I actually follow my passion, my mission, then you know I'm not going to be good enough. It's not meant to be anyways. Me. Right. And so <laughs> yeah. I would go into that place with them in the West. It's like, let's embrace what is holding that back. Let's go and look at the weeds there in the West and let's kind of feel where they're is a, a higher divine calling, and they may not be ready for that. And usually people that land here in my living room or that I'm doing counseling work with are ready. Yeah. And so I'm going to meet them in that readiness. It's like, all right, let's go for it. Let's talk about that right there, because sometimes in our society, there can be an element of shaming people yeah. if they're not, not ready. I'm not interested in that. And I know you're not, but in our society, that narrative, how yeah. do we meet that with love? How do we meet that narrative of shame with right. the words and power of love? Right, because I'm going to, you know, so in that place, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be really present. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have this very delicate dance of being the truth teller and honest and courageously state the obvious that they maybe not be seeing or relate, you know, so, so you, know, you know there's an addiction with alcohol, right? You know, just to like, let's state the obvious. Just shine a little light yeah. on it. Yeah. You know, you, you know that. And so that we can just be on the same page of actually like knowing it. Because sometimes we don't know it. It's back here in our unconsciousness. And so I'm going to bring that, okay, now we can't unknow it. We know that there is, that this relationship is unhealthy or this job is killing you. You know that, right? And, you know, just to be able to meet the emotional reality that comes with that of just 
acknowledging that. And you might be the first person that has the courage to just shine that light in that moment. You know, one of my clients that was dancing with breast cancer recovery and she, you know, came back a second time. And so in a session and I was like, you know that if you don't have clear boundaries with your relatives and prioritize self-care, you won't be here, right? That, like that truth, like you know, because she, she wasn't really acknowledging that if I don't set a clear boundary with everybody that's literally sucking my life force with all their drama and chaos, and if I don't prioritize self-care, I will not be here any longer. It's like that real. And she goes, nobody. She goes, I've been through counselors for decades, my doctors, my therapists, no one ever laid it down for me that way and said, if you don't learn how to set clear boundaries, you actually won't be here for those family members any longer or your children or your husband or all of those people. Like, let's just be straight with that because when the cancer comes back next time, it's taking you out. And here's something that people might think would be dark, but I think it's an element of life worth exploring. When someone chooses to not be ready, that's okay. It's so okay, It's okay honey. if maybe somebody wants to leave and they just, they're done with this life. Right. That's okay. And you know what? I've actually helped a number of, of people transition that mm-hmm. are, for whatever reason, maybe you know, their cancer is, it can go this way or that way. And it's, it, and, and it's time, you know, their exit plan, it's, 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 it's arrived. And so I've helped many people through that process, just meeting them where they are. Um, and having beautiful transitions of actually helping people let go, clean house before they leave this body and beautiful, blissful experiences and, you know, a conscious transition is, is what I call it. And so meeting somebody without guilt and shame, because guilt and shame is just the, the biggest poison any human can ingest. And it, shame specifically is the lowest, if you look at Hawkins' emotional exactly. scale, it is lowest the lowest possible vibration. frequency in the world. Exactly. Shame. Right. It's, it's the worst thing. <laughs> right. So. And so to be able to state the truth and yeah. meet people where they're at is like, okay, well, where can we start today with what you're ready to, to deal with? Okay, yes. I'm not ready to leave this marriage. I'm not ready to let go of alcohol. Ready okay, so let me meet you with where you are. Let's keep adding in the good stuff. And the thing is, is what happens over time is that the claws release from the thing. When we start adding in love and we add in all of these other things, when we start moving forward with nourishing the soul, then the other things just kind of drop off easily. Let's talk about the last component then because going to the earth. Right. Going to the earth. This is the last one. Right. So then the, the, the earth element and the south, this is celebration in the harvest. Because when we've weeded the garden and we've replenished the garden, we've gotten inspiration about what seed to plant. We plant the seed in the springtime, then we get the harvest in the summertime. So this is celebration. This is community. This is playtime. This is the summer. This is Mother Earth. And look at all of the abundant harvest that she's birthing for us. And so this is joy, celebration, community, family, festivals, picnics, laughter, dancing. And um, this is also the hummingbird. While we were out on the deck this morning, like enjoying the sun and moving our body and stretching and all of that, hummingbird was cruising around. And mm. it's just like, we were what does both- that, that hummingbird actually mean? Joy. Joy. Because the hummingbird goes after the sweetest nectar and the sweetest flowers. <laughs> that's such a cool metaphor. Right? Because that's yeah. the Amrita. And you uh-huh. know what? Each of us can do that, but we need to find that nectar. For that one woman, it was the flute. For somebody else, you know, it might be dance. For somebody else, it might might be 
um, being a parent. For somebody else, it might be all about fitness and nutrition or whatever it is, yeah. finding your joy. And it changes through your, through the years. There's also an element of innocence here, yes. I'm feeling. Play, 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 play. play. I think of Laughter, kids playing, fun, bubbles, right? being in the park. Right, it, yeah. it is. And so it's also the coyote medicine, which is, you know, play and working together in the tribe. And the coyote's not afraid to howl in the middle of the night, like, I'm loving life. This is so beautiful. And because oh, you yes. this morning, you were like, yes. oh my God, it's so beautiful here. That's gratitude, appreciation, and presence. So gratitude is big in the in the in the South of like celebration. These really these seasons, it's um this wheel is created for an honoring. It's an honoring of the seasons. Yeah. And so this is one of the most simplistic yet complicated as you want it to be, right. wheels out there. Right. It's a guidepost, really. Right, you know, like a compass, like a compass. And and to just look at, like the question would be in the West, what am I letting go of? Mm. In the North, what am I letting in? Or what needs replenishment or what needs healing? You know, what inspiration? So we would allow something in there. In the East, what am I planting? In the South, what am I grateful for? You know, who am I grateful for? And I think that those questions anybody can do, you don't need to be in a vortex in a medicine wheel in Sedona to do that. You can you do, do that in your living room. You can do that in, in your bed. And you can do that in the morning. You can do that with a friend. You know, what are you letting go of? What am I letting go mm-hmm. of? And we can go through that whole wheel and we'll make sure your, your guests have that. Yes, and you know what I'm thinking of is whenever I'm in the store or I'm going about life, people say this, they say, how are you? But they don't really care. I can tell they're just saying it as a formality. But I think where that came from, if you look at the etymology of how are you, it came from people really wanting to know like, hey, how are you yeah. for real? Like, right. how are you doing? Right. But it's been bastardized in a way. It's, it's, a, it's a greeting that we use without really, you know, it's, it's a greeting. Yeah. And the Aho Matakwayasin, which is Lakota Sioux Indian greeting, which means to all my relations. When I say Aho Matakwayasin, that means we are related and that connection is much deeper. And so that is more of, an, of, of a greeting that has a deep meaning that we are related, not just as brother, sister, but as souls, as kin. Mm-hmm. And when, it, when I... When I say a ho in that place, I'm greeting. I really do want to know how you feel. Mm. We're, we're never separate. We're never alone. You said this last night. Right. Uh, it was actually something I almost feel like you whispered at my ear. I do. I, I do know, that there, a lot. There I was a lot going on in yeah. the ceremony. But this, this complete and total lie that we're separate, yeah. that we're not connected, yeah. that's a narrative that I don't believe in. And I know you don't believe in it as well. Right. What's the opposite of that for you? What's the narrative that you engage in that has nothing to do with separation? And, and how do you speak that into the world? What's your truth around that? Well, I'm one. And so everything else is a lie. I'm one with you. I'm one with the mountain. I'm one with the sun. I'm one with life. I'm one with everyone in the universe. Even if I don't understand their story, underneath them, we are one. We are connected. And so that really helps with shifting the perspective when you look at the villain in your life as the one that you're connected to. Because, you know, a lot of times in the healing work with somebody that has had a trauma, let's just say it's been a physical or, or you know, a sexual abuse or something like that. Is this the like villain? That. When you said villain, yeah, what, what villain. did you mean by that? Yeah, the, the, your perpetrator, okay. your, you know, your arch nemesis, the one in your life that has wounded you, that person, you know, or people. 
you know, that has wronged you, that has stabbed you in the back, that hurt you, that left you, that wounded you, that said something or did something physically, emotional, energy, energetically that didn't leave you more whole, let's just say, right? Because we've all had those experiences and we've all had them in different ways and different, you know, different expressions of that, is to be able to see, wow, that little boy or that little girl, you know, that person is just a wounded little boy in a grown man's body. It took me a while to see that my father, oh, well, he's just acting from a place of being afraid and being disconnected and being alone and being abandoned. That's why he's acting this way. So when I am able to bring that consciousness of the one, I get to see that we're actually not that different. What do you think consciousness actually is? Being in that place of knowing that we are divine light to being conscious and awake and aware that I'm not separate from that. I'm in this human body, but I am a spiritual, expanded, unlimited potential <laughs> being. We're in a meat suit with a meat right, radio receiver. Exactly, and I'm in a human body yeah. having human limitations, and yet I also know that I can overwrite that and that there's unlimited access of joy, bliss, consciousness, and love that, I, that I'm on the tap, I have the tap. I, I, I have the, the gas pedal, I open the doors, I have the key, nobody else holds that. And so consciousness is, I believe, the awareness of that, that you are the gatekeeper, you are the holder, and you're the creator of your reality. Where does the soul play into consciousness? Because I could almost see that the soul and consciousness could be misconstrued in a way. Right, well, say, I think the soul is the individuation of consciousness that is me. Right, yes. And so the part of consciousness that I represent is that soul essence that is now in a body and I'm going to leave this body and I'm still individuated as a soul, as part of consciousness. And when I'm in that soul essence before I come into body, I know all, I feel all, I become all. And that's why I come into the body because I have this deep feeling that I want to help people that are in pain. And so when we're in that consciousness, because light only wants to expand, love only wants to expand, it's going to look for where the heart is wounded, where there is shadow, where there is darkness, and it's going to want to go there. That's why you and I are here, so that we can bring light into those places. And the soul's journey is to come and do that here, is to bring light into the human experience. And we're going to have to do it mm -hmm. where we experience pain. We're going to have to go through those, That's right. you know, our training as kids, as adults, where we're going to feel, oh, pain comes when people wounded, people when they're afraid, when they feel rejected, when they're feeling alone, and they sedate, they bully. And so we actually understand the human experience because we've done it. We've bullied, we've sedated, we've hurt other people and we've been on the receiving end of that. And because of that, we are one. And in that compassion, I can relate to, relate to you with, with an understanding if I'm, a, if I'm seeing through those eyes. I'm smiling because I'm actually thinking <laughs> about how beautiful the video game we live in. We live in a beautiful video game. Yeah, yeah, right. essentially like a, right, right, a wonderful right. simulation. But in that video game, like Jung calls it the, the shadow self. So we have these, these things that we explore that aren't always fun. It's not always like we're playing a video game. No. And I think people can wind up choosing to feel victimized. Right. Um, and I've been there. I mean, I dealt with anxiety for so long in my life where breath work became this catalyst and then plant medicine and all these different tools of, of accessing state changes. Right. Yet, at the end of the day, it boils down to choice. And I know it seems simplistic, but sometimes the truth is the, is the most simple thing, yet 
the simple thing is challenging to allow to unfold. Right, because sometimes we're not quite ready to awaken and then the seed is dormant in the soil. And that's okay. You know, like the lotus, like the lotus, it starts as a seed in the mud. Yeah. And it doesn't awaken until it's ready to awaken. And so consciousness and awakening, it's a choice, but it's also my soul needs to be ready for that. And sometimes it will take an overdose, a divorce, a diagnosis to say, oh, I need to make a change. And then that starts the catalyzing of bringing light into the seed that germinates it to say, there's got to be something more. I've got to sober up. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do this anymore. One of my clients who's a double, you know, ex-con double, you know, like he's been in prison for not so great stuff, you know, some, some pretty heavy stuff and, and still feeling that I'm not worthy, you know, and wanting to take his own life. And yet he's a grandfather and he goes, but my grandson is what's keeping me awake and alive. He's like, yes. I really want to change. And so now he's in this place where he's coming to see, he's, he's that truck driver from Alabama. And he's like, well, I don't know if they're, I'm a lost cause or not, but I think that I can make a difference. I think I can turn over new leaf, but I just don't think I'm worthy. You know, like this whole conversation and him like igniting that, because he's choosing that. He's awakening to that. And he's the one that's awakening out of the mud and realizing there's got to be something else, but he's reaching for it. So it takes the soul being ready to reaching for sobriety, um, turning over a new leaf, a helping hand. I reached out for it when mm -hmm. it was like, I need, I need some help here because I do not have the tools. But it took like a, a tremendous amount of pain and suffering to catalyze a change and so, so I get when somebody's in a dormant state, like they're there and they're, they're usually reaching when they land here, when they're hearing this podcast, they are ready yes. to start awakening. Like you don't find you or me unless you're ready. Let's to start feel awakening. into that for a moment. <laughs> There's been multiple times during our conversation where I've gotten chills on my left arm. Yeah. I know people watching and listening feel the same way. There's been moments, trust yourself, where your intuitive guidance was like, that's true. Yes. I'm going to follow that. Yeah. As we wind down here, because I want to talk to you forever. I know. We, we have a hype to do. We have, we have all this fun stuff to do. Um, as we wind down, though, and we get closer to what I think you really represent, and this is the truth. You're a truth seeker. I told yeah. you that at your kitchen counter with Tommy. Like, yeah. You're a truth seeker. For people that are afraid of the truth, yeah. where, where's their first step? Like, What's the first thing somebody does when they know something's true, but they're afraid to follow it? Get support. Get support. So that, because... This is why, this is why I, I coach people through that process because when we're navigating the unknown, our limiting beliefs and our fears will take us down unless we have support, whether that's divine guidance, whether that's you know, your counsel, whether that's a coach to say, you can get through, through this. And here's a couple tips of how. Like, you know, it's not as scary as you think. Like, let's go take a look at that. Let's go take a look at that shadow and dismantle it. Let's take this baby step. And let's try, let's practice this tool so that you can build your confidence and realize it's not as scary as I thought. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm a certified high performance coach. That's why I kind of walk people through the process besides doing the core healing and spiritual awakening. It's like, all right, now let's put these steps into, you know, into a plan of action where you can rebuild your life, where you can improve your relationships where you can have daily practices that actually create the structure that you need to hold yourself stable in this yeah. process. Mm, I love this. We've yes. explored some really incredible this is things. so juicy. Some <laughs> incredible things. And again, this is like the tip of the iceberg. 
Um, shamangelichealing.com is the website, yes. correct? Yes, yes, but yes. But let's talk about what you're gifting to wellness for us. This is so cool. Not only are they going to get the wheel, um, yeah, so yeah, we'll make sure that there's a diagram. I'll, but I'll there's sure also that. there's also a guided animal spirit journey. Yeah, yeah tell yeah. us about this. Okay, but. so this is uh, you know kind of like a shamanic journey, but into um, experience like an animal spirit guide, so that you can kind of go into this trans state and meet an animal spirit guide and get some is you know wisdom and some insight there. So that's nice. what I'd love to share with you, a free guided visualization to kind of give you some animal spirit wisdom and would love to give you a, um, a discount on the Quantum Leap program, mm. which is my high-performance coaching, which kind of walks people through that with videos and, um, you know, exercises each month. And we go through every single area of life, like breaking it down, consciousness, thought, belief, relationships, all of that. So we'll give a discount on that for just, for just your listeners. Thank you for your generosity. Right? Yeah. Yes. And then I'm here in Sedona, mm -hmm. you know, because that quantum leap program, people can access from the comfort of their own home. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching as well, but um, and for those that want to come to Sedona, the Empowerment and Awakening Weekend. You get to come to Sedona. This oh is October gosh. 3rd, Empowerment and Awakening. Yeah. Tell us about that. Is it for men and women? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So it's three and a half days is like my juicy pearls of, you know, it's like it's workshop content. It's understanding the chakra energy center of the body so that you can learn how to diagnose what's out of balance and to be able to tell what's out of balance in somebody else. Um, balancing the feminine and masculine, spiritual guidance, vibrant nutrition, manifestation strategies. So it's um, like a whole weekend meditation practices, three and a half days, a deep dive right here in Sedona with breathtaking views. And, mm -hmm. and uh, so that's, that's kind of like my signature intensive weekend with all kinds of tools to kind of help people empower and awaken. I was, um, I was, thank you for sharing all these. We'll give a hundred dollars off for your people to come to that okay, as well. Keep, like, we're just going to keep hanging out. You're just like, <laughs> thank you. It's, I, I really, I deeply want people yes. to have the tools so that they can be better parents. They can be better humans. They can like navigate, you know, their soul's path better because okay. we just weren't raised with this kind of stuff. No, we weren't. And, and the, the wisdom, the intelligence that you have, that you're sharing with people sometimes, well, most times if people are lost, they get to have a guide. They get yeah. to have a guide. Yeah. And that's what this is about. It's about guidance. So for everyone, tell us what you feel about this intersection of the physical and the emotional. Tell us what, what oh. you think wellness is to oh you. How gosh. would you define wellness? What's wellness mean to you? Right. Well, I think bringing the well of all that is into the body. You know, the, to be well is to have all of these different chakra energy centers of the body awake, nourished, and aligned. I think that is when the well is full. And so to me, wellness is, is really about when I'm having this balance of the feminine and masculine and I can honor yin and I can honor yang and, and I feel whole, then I feel well. When I feel connected, I'm awake, I feel well. When I know who I am and I'm not seeking validation from everybody else, I'm not trying to control reality to fit my constructs, I feel well. And um, I think that relates in the physical body is because we're at peace and then the body is not f experiencing inflammation and agitation and all these different problems. And when it is, it tells me something's not well, you know? <laughs> pain is a great teacher. Yeah, pain yeah. and these different diagnoses and, and inflammation, all of these things give me an understanding of where I'm not well. 
And so I embrace the physical as an indication of the opportunity to bring awareness of what needs wellness because I'm not doing a great job at navigating digestion or my emotional body because then I'm going to have challenges there or my immune system or my heart or any of those things. And so um, it's constantly a moving thing. And so um, well is a journey. It's not a destination. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Such a special conversation. One of my most favorite out of all the podcasts I've done. And um, thank you so much for what you do. I just want to take a big breath for you. And thank you because your work is so powerful right now. This is what the world gets to have. It's what the world also needs. So shamanjellichealing.com. Everything's going to be listed in the Wellness Force page as well. And we're talking about Anahata so much more in the Wellness Force group. It's wellnessforce.com forward slash group. Thank you so much. Right. And you you know what? Thanks for being on my podcast as well. Because there's sessions here and there's also amazing, inspiring conversations like with fabulous, you know, wizards like you um, in all walks of life. So I love that we've swapped podcasts. I can't wait. Thank you, yes. brother, for what you're doing, yeah. from being for being a way shower in the field of wellness. And I love this emotional intelligence and physical intelli- intelligence, you know, and, and you are really doing wonderful things. So thank you for everything that you're doing. And I received that. It feels good to receive that from right. you. Okay, we're signing off from Sedona. Yes. And- Until we see you again, we're both wishing you love and wellness. Thank you for tuning in. We love you and appreciate you. Bye. (laughs) Hey, my friend. Thank you for hanging out and growing with me today. Everything you learn on this podcast starts with your morning practices. So from over 200 world-class guests and counting, we've distilled the gems, the best of the best science-backed practices down into a 21-minute morning system guaranteed to increase the positive flow in your day. Get this free and powerful 21-minute life-changing system over at wellnessforce.com forward slash M21. If you enjoyed this episode, tap your phone, share it with someone you care about because that is how we all get better together. Supporting the show is easy. Leave us a five-star review right now from your phone. It helps us reach other smart and conscious people like you. Either tap your phone and hit the link in purple that says review this podcast or go to wellnessforce.com forward slash review. And this show doesn't stop here. We're continuing the discovering process in our private Facebook group. You can be a part of it. All you have to do is go to wellnessforce.com forward slash group and I'll welcome you at the door. Okay, now you get to go out into your world and live your life well. So until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness 